0: The Arizona State Sun Devils got crushed by the Utah Utes, which we kind of anticipated was going to happen. But nonetheless, we're here to talk about everything that did happen on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Brachon. I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils all the time. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, this, this podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out in that visual platform. Of course, wherever you do get your podcast, though, make sure you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege right now. Terms and conditions will apply. All right, guys. Again, like like I kind of let off at the top of the show, this this wasn't a surprise. Arizona State dropped the game against Utah, and we definitely – We're going in with that anticipation that that's exactly what was going to happen. And long behold, that's exactly what happened. So it's okay. Like, you know, again, we just, we anticipated it. So it's, it's not that we're necessarily like upset or depressed or anything. At least you probably shouldn't be if you are, but I mean, we're here anyway. So taking a look at everything that happened. So Arizona state loses this game 34 to 13 the sun devils actually were 24 or uh not they weren't 24 uh they were down 24 to 6 going into halftime so you know you gave up 10 points in the second half uh all that good stuff uh don't get me wrong there there was some good things to take away from this game uh and and that's what we're going to talk about first is the positives to take away from this there's a few <laughs> so i think the biggest thing that i kind of took away from this is the defense looked okay you know they didn't look nearly as much as like the shells of themselves that they did previously against eastern michigan a week ago i felt like they had more confidence this week compared to what they had in other weeks so you know again just kind of take that with a grain of salt for what it is but i i'm happier with the product i saw this week compared to what i saw last week and that's in spite of the fact that you gave up 34 points Uh, The bummer is, I mean, ASU was just kind of walked all over defensively. But again, I want to get to that later. I want to talk about the positives right now. Uh, There appears to be a little bit of a spark on special teams. And that is something really important to talk about for ASU right now. So with the special teams, you've you've got Carter Brown, right? He is proving to be one of the best kickers you've had in quite a while. But he's also becoming one of the better kickers in the country. Now, I haven't had a chance to like compare his numbers across other numbers for kickers, but he is seven of eight on his field goals, which is you know eighty-seven and eighty-seven point five percent. He's knocked through all ten of his extra points. What's the most impressive? His only miss was uh, like a forty-plus yard field goal. But in this game, I mean, he he was. Or not, he was. He nailed a 47-yard field goal. Like that's that's really really impressive for a college kicker, especially. Those are not gimmies. Think of a 47-yard field goal as like a 55-yard in the NFL. Like it's it truly is special to be able to have a kicker who's capable of doing stuff like that for you. So we can't we can't take that for granted here. All right, so I've got pulled up the the uh, field goal leaders here. Uh, so you have, uh, he's tied for sixth for made field goals, or no, he's seven of eight, wasn't he? He was seven and eight. Yes, seven of eight. So he's tied for 12 with seven of eight field goals made. Uh, when taking a look at field goal percentage, there, there's quite a few guys that are still 100%. Um, he, he's a little further down on the list. He is tied with Mark Ruffalo from uh Conne- or not Connecticut uh Kentucky, Ethan Mooney from UNT. What is that? What is UNT? Oh, North Texas. Uh well there's a there's a or it's just those three. Yeah, just those three. And they're listed at 46. But again, there's there's a handful of guys who are still perfect on the season. So it pushes them down a little bit. For what it's worth, he is one of a pretty nice handful of guys who has also not missed an extra point. So while it's not as though he's proving to be like the greatest kicker in the country, he's having one of the finer seasons, especially because if you you watch any game on Saturday, no matter what it is, you're going to see some bad kicking. And I mean, these guys cost their team games. Arizona State has not had that problem yet. That's not to say they might not for all we know, Carter Brown could burn out in the second half of the year, but there's no reason to believe that he will right now. Carter Brown looks exceptional. He looks smart and confident. He's got a good leg. He's accurate. Most of these kicks are down the middle. Uh, I, I feel good about the range. The 47 yarder was a good one. I don't know how much further back it would have been good. Like if it was 55, I don't know if it got there, but from 47, which, again, is very, very long in college football, you have to be happy with what you were able to see there. Now, obviously, on the game, he did kick his two field goals and nailed his one extra point, giving him seven of the Sun Devils' 13 points of the evening. Uh, another thing on special teams I want to note, now, unfortunately, and this this really sucks, let me preface it with that, is DJ Taylor left the game injured. I'm not sure what his status is moving forward. That's terrible. You You don't want to lose Taylor. He's one of your more consistent players, uh, frustratingly, like inconsistent on special teams, but he has truly proven to be a really, really good nickel corner for you this year. And that's not something that you would like to lose, especially because when you look at the defense, the, uh, the secondary was really thin in this game. You're missing uh, the Markham brothers. You're missing road torrents, uh, younger guys like Isaiah Johnson had to come in and step up. I want to talk about him in just a moment. and. It, it just it, it was it was a night where you just really couldn't afford to lose Taylor. But from a special team's aspect, ASU actually ended up getting some pretty good production from the rest of our guys. Uh, Danny Nagata took three three ki- not three carries, uh three returns, 108 yards. that that's pretty pretty good. One of them was a 58 yarder that got Arizona past midfield and into Utah territory, which is awesome to see because you haven't had that this year. And then they had a fourth return as well uh, from Javin Jacobs, who is one of the freshman wide receivers on the team. He took his 47 yards. So Arizona State did a really, really good job in the return game to be able to make up for some of the deficits that the offense was putting out. You were able to have more decent field position. Now, unfortunately, they didn't capitalize on that field position every time, but it was there. And then the last thing to note, really, uh, before we hop into our uh, first ad break here, uh, Tamarcus Davis recorded his first interception of the season. Love it. What I love the most is that gives Arizona Arizona State uh, five interceptions on the season. They have had one in every single game this year. They picked off Cameron Rising. That is impressive. Cameron Rising had one interception coming into this year. And it was on a a fluky decision against Florida. While this interception was also kind of fluky because it was off of uh, his receiver's hands and just fell into the lap of Tamarcus Davis. You'll take it. So a turnover is a turnover. They didn't get any points out of it, but you'll take, you'll take the turnovers where you can get them. All in all, the defense was better than it could have been. Uh, The offense was atrocious. Like there's, there's really not a lot of positives to take out of what you saw for the offense. We're going to talk about them in just a moment, though. Let's hop into our first break. When we return, we're going to talk about the bad parts that Arizona State had on the on the, the whole game, essentially. But first, a quick word from our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. If you want to be 100% certain, that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to go to LinkedIn jobs and create your free job post in minutes. Once you make that post, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates. With just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Finish the year strong right now. And again, just emphasis on get the right team together, guys. Do that with LinkedIn Jobs. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college right now. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions will apply. All right, guys, back into this conversation of the podcast, which, by the way, is free and available on all platforms. There was a lot of things that went wrong for Arizona State in this game. Like, unlike the, the, or not Oregon, the Oklahoma State game, where you did let them hang 34 on you, but. The defense looked okay. There was really not a lot of positives to take out of this game, like at all. There, I, like I said, I, I was doing my best to kind of go through and highlight the things that they did well. uh, Most of the things that they did in this game were, were nothing to write home about. It really starts with just the offense in general. Uh, The team turned the ball over three times offensively. Emory Jones had two interceptions and Elijah Badger had a fumble that he lost and that gave Utah three extra possessions that they didn't need and they capitalized on them and that was one of the reasons that they were able to run away with this game uh not just not just uh figuratively run away very literally run away with it we'll ju- we'll talk about that in just a moment though uh the passing game was just not good Emory Jones did go 21 of 36 for 261 yards he tossed his Third touchdown pass of the year, but he also threw his first two interceptions of the season. He was also sacked, I think, four times. That sounds right. I believe he was sacked five times, excuse me. He was sacked five times on the day, which gave him a whopping negative 26 rushing yards. Again, everyone knows I'm not the biggest fan of sack yards counting as rushing yards, but they are. Negative 26 is a lot, especially for a mobile quarterback. The longest run of the day for Jones was just six yards. And that's on six other carries. That's not ideal. It's, it's really, really not a good thing at all to kind of take that away and look at what you have left. Uh, the, re- the rest of the run game wasn't good either. Uh, Validay only had 30 yards on eight carries. Nagata had two yards on one carry. So on the night, you ran the ball just 20 times. Now, when I went into this game, I said that the one thing you needed to do was power run and simplify the offense. Don't get cute, right? That's what I said. They did not simplify the offense. They were trying to get way too much going on, especially in the passing game. And it came and bit him in the butt. Who would have thought? This was not ideal. You cannot get away from running the football. Again, you had 20 carries on the night. Five of those were sacks. Five were sacks. So that means you ran the ball 15 times. Congrats. You gave half of them to ex Valade. Eh? That's awesome. He's the future guy. One of them went to Daniel Legata who has been very good this year. And it frustrates me that he does not have a bigger role in this offense. I wish he would because he's just been so darn good for you, but you took away any ability that Nagata could have given you. And you took away Validay's impact from this offense. He does not reach the hundred yard mark. He does not reach the touchdown for the consecutive games in a row. Didn't do any of those for a fourth game in a row. He was under four yards of carry. He's right there. He's like 3.8. But still, again, that's that's nothing to write home about. Uh, they did get him involved in the passing game at least. Four catches, 29 yards. So at least they were trying to do their best to kind of spread the ball around and get him involved as many ways as possible. But the turnovers are terrible. Uh, the, the passing game is really, really bad. There's, there is very little... To be happy about with this passing game. Emery looked off the whole game. He looked incredibly uncomfortable. He was forcing throws that he shouldn't have forced. Overthrowing the ball. Arizona State cannot hit the deep ball. At this point, I don't, I don't really want to see you doing it anymore. The offense is just going to be struggling by itself entirely. The last thing you need to do is incorporate a factor into the offense, that's just not there. So just be a run-heavy team. Is it ideal? No, not at all. Especially when you play USC this weekend and Washington the following weekend before you go in your bye week. That's not ideal at all. To have to just pretty much run the ball no matter what and try not to pass it at all, despite the fact that you're going to get down on the scoreboard early. You're not going to. I'm not naive. You are going to continue to throw it. You're going to have games like this where you have Emory Jones throw it 36 times. And you only run the ball 15 times. It's going to happen. Despite my concerns, it's just going to happen. Let's look at the defense. There is there's a lot of things that went wrong defensively. You had the interception on Cam rising. That's awesome. He threw two touchdowns on you. He completed over 65% of his passes. He threw for 260 yards. He almost had 10 yards in an attempt. And guess what killed you? That's right. Tight end. Brent Keith, he got injured in this game. And speedy recovery, that, that sucks. You'd never want to see guys get injured. Regardless of Keithy getting injured, though, you knew that Dalton Kincaid was still a stud. And I feel like they kind of took Kincaid for granted. Even before Keithy went down, they did all they could against Keithy. He had two catches for 15 yards in like less than a quarter of a game. Kincaid had four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. He was killing it. And he just was getting wide open in the end zone. Now, one of those touchdowns, like if you watch the play, it looks like the ball gets intercepted. It is the craziest thing. It, it looks like the defensive back, I want to say it was Beckley, don't quote me on that, was just kind of like extending out and has his hands on the ball. And it almost feels like the ball like teleported. It just like phased through his hands and into Kincaid. It was the craziest thing. And I'm not the only one who thought this. The fans did several other people that I was up with in the press box did. It was the weirdest play, but you see the, you see the refs hands go up signaling touchdown and you're like, there's, there's no way. How did that happen? And Kincaid gets up with the ball and you're like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, uh, Kincaid had tons of success. There are plenty of other guys that were able to get involved as well. Uh, Thomas Yasmin or Thomas Yasmin, excuse me had one catch for 72 yards. And I mean, they they were barely able to stop him from getting uh, all the way down the field and getting them into position to do what they did. Uh, Don, uh, Devon Veal, or, or uh, Vili, uh caught the ball six times for 63 yards. He had eight catches in three games going into this. Arizona State was just not prepared for him and his 6'5 body being able to pull in everything that he did. Defensively, Utah did everything right especially in the pass rush. Guess what? The offensive line that I call out every single week is continuing to struggle to the point where now Emory Jones is bringing it up in, in post-game interviews. He's not happy. He has every right to not be happy, guys. You need to do a better job pre- protecting your quarterback. That's unacceptable. That's something you can't do. That is not something that Emory Jones should have to speak about in a press conference. Because you know what? When he is sitting there talking about how the team needs to do these things better, you know what some people are going to interpret that as? Him passing the blame. Him trying to make everyone else seem like it's their fault and not his. That is not true. Emory Jones has been completely accepting the fact that he needs to play better. He is owning that. But he's also holding his team responsible for their shortcomings here. And they just, there's a lot of shortcomings. There's a lot of shortcomings that left tackle continues to struggle at left tackle, man, maybe spend less time on Twitter, liking my tweets and get in the room and start getting better. Sorry. I've, I've been nice the whole year. I'm tired of it. Don't Don't like my tweets. Get to work. Call a spade a spade, as a famous Richie Bradshaw said many a times. Uh, the pass rush had no problem for Utah. Brought them down five times. Uh, they also had eight tackles for loss. They had no issues. Uh, I, I think I said last thing, but I forgot to bring up the run game. Uh, Tavion Thomas did not get a carry until I think the fourth quarter. And it's like some personal stuff. I don't know any details about it. Uh, there, there was just some stuff that was going on behind the scenes that, uh, led to him not getting a lot of touches prior, but it didn't matter because they still were able to generate 205 yards on the ground. Uh, Jalen Glover, who the team really, really likes for them ends up carrying the ball 11 times or 13 times and turning it into 48 yards. Nice, healthy average looks pretty good to me. Um, they had a touchdown on the ground. From Jaquindon Jackson, he's another guy that they kind of like, or not kind of like, he's another guy they like. He's uh, like one of their other quarterback options, so they kind of bring him out and let him do his thing. Cam Rising took off uh, three times, turned it into 27 yards. And then Jalen Dixon, a wide receiver, actually took a carry in for 11-yard touchdown. Yeah, again, they just, they did everything right they had the two interceptions on defense, they had five sacks on defense, they were consistently in the backfield on defense. Offensively, they did whatever they wanted to do. It ultimately ended up with that team what's it end up being? 74. They were in 74 plays that night against Arizona State. 74 plays. They controlled the clock for 35 minutes and 33 seconds. They also were three of four on fourth downs when it mattered ASU you can get off the field. One of the things I said you needed to do was you needed to find a way to control the clock and you needed to find a way to, what was I going to say? You needed to find a way to control the clock and you needed to find a way to simplify the offense. You didn't do either. I said, I would love for you to have 35 minutes. Like what Utah did. I said, realistically shoot for 32. you were eight minutes off eight. That is how you lose football games. Your defense is on the field. They're already struggling. They're exhausted. They can't stop anything that this offense is doing against them. Whatever they wanted to do, they were doing it with the one mistake of an interception. Other than that, they were doing pretty good. Now, admittedly that the third down defense was pretty solid five of 15, but again, they went for it on, on fourth down four times. They got it three times. They could have gone for it another two times, but they ended up getting false starts that took away fourth and one opportunities. Utah was not afraid of this defense, guys. They were not afraid of this defense. One more small break. When we get back, we're going to wrap up our thoughts on everything on this game. All right, guys, do me a favor and make sure that you are listening to the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Get all your news on the Pac-12 in 30 minutes or less with my good friend and number one friend of the podcast, Spencer McLaughlin, as your host. Your boy, Richie, also hops on once a week to talk about upset specials. So make sure you're checking it out. Make that your second listen of the day. Stay in touch, not just with the Arizona State Sun Devils, but with the entire Conference of Champions. Bottom line for this game, ugly. It was an ugly game. This was an embarrassing loss. Even for a one-in-three football team. This was bad. This was demoralizing. I don't know how you come back from this. It is going to be incredibly difficult to try and rebuild your image after this. Because you abandoned your strength and your identity. Nope, not good. Your defense could not get a stop when it needed to. Again, the third down efficiency, that's fine. You know, fourth downs are not good. So, no, not good there either. You forced a turnover. That's awesome. You still let the quarterback complete over 65% of his passes. You still let the team rush for well over. uh, Yeah, well over four yards per carry, probably about 4.44 and a half. I'm trying to do the math off the top of my head. They score four touchdowns offensively. If you want to take pride in keeping them under 40, take it, I guess. I'm not a moral victory guy, but I just don't know what moral victories there are here. For what it's worth, in the post-game interview, we were able to speak to Corey Bethley, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, and Emery Jones. The one thing all of them had in common, and this is important moving forward. They emphasized they felt good going into this week. They felt more confident than they have felt all season long. They mentioned these were the best practices they've had all year. They are buying in to the mentality of the interim head coach, Sean. Who, by the way, this game's not on him. So don't, don't sit here and try and peg a bad game plan or a bad game or anything like that on Sean Iguano. You're wrong. This is not a Sean Iguano problem. You are not about to pin a performance like this on an interim head coach who has had no head coaching experience in college football. That's not on him. Okay. It's just not. And you know what? He came into the post game conference. What a genuine guy. Awesome. He was so down to earth, easy to talk to. Uh, He appreciated everyone, thanked us, apologized, which I don't know why you're apologizing, dude. It's your first game, is what it is. Like, was it ugly? Yes, it was very, very ugly. But I'm not pinning any of this on Iguano. I will pin this on the coordinators. I will tell you that Glenn Thomas has a lot of figuring out to do on how he wants to motivate this offense to be better. And I will tell you that Donnie Henderson needs to get it together defensively because the defensive performance you saw in week one dominant was against NAU. You had a good plan in week two. I don't blame you for getting exposed by Oklahoma state because of the offense. You got crushed last week by Eastern Michigan. And then going into this week, First game of Pac-12 play. The first game without Herm Edwards. The first game that you needed to remind the Pac-12, hey, we're not done yet. You wet the bed. No one was going into this game expecting you to win. But people thought it would be a little closer. The spread was 15 points when it was all said and done. They beat you by 21. Going into this week, when I had checked the the spread prior for the USC ASU game. It was at 20, I believe, in favor of USC, obviously. If we are looking now, I am pulling that up. If we look at that spread now, it is still at least going to be 20. I would be willing to bet that it is even worse than that at this point. Let's see, Arizona State, 25 and a half. You are 25 and a half point underdogs going into LA and you should be quite frankly, that feels generous. The way that USC has been playing football this year has been outstanding. And I mean, don't even fault them for playing Oregon state close on Saturday because Oregon state is also a very good football program. And when Oregon state comes to town based off the way you're playing right now and based off the way they're playing, I'll take them in that 15 point spread too that you were given against Utah, looking at the rest of the schedule, based on the way you performed last or not last night, the Saturday night, you're not winning any games this year. You were going to finish 11 and one. You got a lot of improving to do. I do not think that's going to be the case. First of all, I do think that you are going to be able to turn this around and you are going to be able to eventually get things on the right track and start winning football games and making them competitive again. But this was not the way to build that confidence. Because at this point, that confidence is just coming from being a fan or coming from pure optimism. And it's hard to have some optimism about this team right now, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't. I, I don't know how to politely put this. This is a really, really bleak outlook for the remainder of the year. And I'll leave it at that. And we'll pick up more on this conversation tomorrow, but that is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Again, as always, you guys are the best making this your first listen of the day podcast free and available all platforms, including YouTube. You want to check us out in a visual platform, make sure that you hit like, and subscribe wherever you do get those podcasts and turn on notifications. So you get an update whenever we post new content to keep in touch with that content. Follow me on Twitter. You can find me at Brad's 36 and you can find the podcast as well at LO underscore sun We, keep you updated on everything football related and basketball content will be coming up soon as well as the season is just over a month away. We're going to be talking some hoops here very soon, but until next time you keep it locked right here on Locked On Sunday.